Hi everyone, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. If you're watching it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the show, make sure to subscribe so that you get notified when a new show is released. And if you'd like to find links to videos or mp3 files, just go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com and you can also submit any eerie experiences you've had at the Submit Your Story tab. Also, hook up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram where you can find information not only about new shows, but also about monthly free merchandise giveaways. So, get comfortable, enjoy this new episode, and just imagine it's a dark and stormy night where not a creature is stirring, not even a mouse. And if a creature is stirring, you hope it's a mouse. Cold, cold, cold north. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I know. Like I said before, we're we're truly wimps down here, all the way in South Florida, because like I said, it's in the fifties, and we're like, oh, it's so cold. And then you know, you turn on the TV, and especially right now, yeah, yeah. But yeah, what can I say? You know, my wife was uh, telling me earlier today when I went home for lunch that this is the first year in February we have not gone on a cruise, and all the cruises we leave on are from uh, Port Lauderdale. So, uh, you know, 50 degrees to us, my gosh, it's Speedo weather. I know, I know, I know. We, And it's it's inevitable. If you go to the <laughs> beach, the only people strolling around in their bathing suits or shorts, it's like, you're a tourist, right? <laughs> because... uh, yeah, you're a snowbird, aren't you? What part of Canada exactly. are you from? Hey? hey, listen, Marlene, how did you get, in, get started investigating the paranormal? What was it that tweaked your interest to the point where you decided to form your very own group? Well, I, I think it starts the same for a lot of people. You know, you grow up, you know, you read the ghost stories and it still evolves with you as, you know, as you go along. And uh, little by little, I started, people started asking me about it. And then before you know it, I learned, I, I joined uh, a research foundation here in Florida that yes. basically they just had freelance investigators like myself that they would, depending on what area of Florida they had a case, and they were very scientific. Uh, you know, they didn't run out and immediately think that it had something to do with the supernatural, which I thought was great because yeah, there's a part is. of me that's very analytical, and um, I do have uh, high standards, uh, especially after so many years as to what truly is supernatural or paranormal, etc. But yeah, it's one of those things that evolves. It creeps up on you little by little, till your earlobe deep in it, like myself. And I worked with a lot of different groups and. I want to say part of it was I was reliable and I knew how to keep my mouth shut because back when I was doing it versus now that it's become more mainstream, uh, people, especially when we're talking of private residents, they were very concerned about privacy and confidentiality and uh, many times they were kind of embarrassed, but they were just at their wits end trying to explain what was going on. So I, I kind of like, yeah, she's one of these that she knows how to keep her mouth shut. Uh, and that's basically how I, and after a while, and I, and I was still around, so I've worked with a lot of different groups, and it just evolved from there until the point that I really never um, established my own group per se. I always worked with this research foundation, and they knew that uh, I would work with different groups, and, <laughs> and in some cases, if they needed a warm body, uh, somebody to go in there and either do a preview, especially with a client, uh, or just last-minute emergency, I was usually pretty good for that. I was just going to say, everybody needs a nice warm body sometimes, especially yes. in this. <laughs> well, let me let tell you something, I did that for a lot of times. <laughs> All right, welcome. Uh, this is, uh, you know, this is going to be a different show after that comment. All I can say is that. Uh, Listen, how haunted is Miami? Like, I've been to Miami. It's a beautiful city. It's very haunted. And uh, a lot of times people think of the... Um, uh, Miami, the beaches, the tourism, uh, go back a little bit further, you know, Miami Vice, you know, the yeah. the Art Deco, and but it is, it's, uh, I, I, was saying, I would say that even before maybe the late 1890s when it was getting established into the 1900s, they used to have the same problem in a lot of cities, yellow fever epidemics, uh, uh, and, you know, Miami basically was established on the coast, which is now the beach, and of course it grew westward. Uh, and there was a lot of uh, unusual things going on. Uh, for example, when they had those yellow fever epidemics, they would quarantine people on a ship, 
flipping them off the coast and it's like you're staying out there so we allow you to come in and again also because it, in, in a way it was a port city mm -hmm. uh, a lot of uh, and then also we had a lot of um, initially a lot of the people that came were socialites you know that they were being asked to come down here to winter down in Miami and like in a lot of uh, cities and you know when you have prominent families they try to hush hush all their indiscretions and sometimes mysterious deaths and murders and things of this nature and you'd be surprised uh, if some of the buildings unfortunately have been demolished uh, there was a, a lot of um, unsolved murders true crime and there's actual hauntings attached to a lot of them besides the ones that are very well publicized there's but of course as time goes by they just fade from memory and the headlines etc sure what about the uh, the influence of organized crime in Miami? Absolutely. Uh, it's it's. I want to say that like everything else, it's mm -hmm. more low key. It's behind the scenes. But as you know, as a, as a matter of fact, the Everglades. <laughs> uh, there's uh, even. I want to say there's two main roads that run east to west uh, between Miami and. The west coast of florida and all those uh those two railways one of them being us 41 mm -hmm. uh, i've had numerous numerous um stories told to me about uh really weird and ghostly things happening out there and i've verified they've discovered a lot of unidentified bodies it would be it's like the place to dump a body that and of <laughs> course a lot of them were never found there's an old saying uh, here in the, in uh, in the in Canada around Lake uh, Lake Superior, that Lake Superior never gives up her dead, and it seems that the Everglades can kind of share the same sentiment. Oh yes, yes, and we've had um, as a matter of fact, and we don't even have to go too further south. Over here, there's like an in with just the Biscayne Bay, which is mm -hmm. like a little bay here, you know, right off the coast of Miami. Right. Recently, we've had murders, body parts were shot in oh, bags. Uh, some of them eventually get identified. Some of them are still unidentified, and some of them, uh, they know who it was, but they have never caught the person that did it. Yes, so. Unreal. And can you now, and you ask yourself, was it organized crime? Possibly, never know. Well, well, the mob was down in in Miami. They tried to to uh, you know certainly take over the structure down there from New York as well as Chicago mm -hmm. as well and Vegas. And of course, Miami is is one of the central endpoints for the narcotic trade into the yes. U.S. Yes, yes, and I mean I grew up here in Miami, and um, you know those days of the mm -hmm. '70s and '80s, you know the cocaine cowboys in Miami, yeah. it was uh, it was well known and. Uh, you saw sometimes people overnight going by a big house and it's like, well, okay, no mystery there. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and you know, a lot of stuff being found out again out in the Everglades further west from Miami. Not even, it didn't even necessarily have to be the Everglades because there was a point of Miami which was west, the western part of the county, which was basically uninhabited or mostly agricultural. Marlene, we're going to have to take a break here because I do have to take my first break. And explanation, my guess this hour. All the way from sunny and warm Miami at 50 degrees Fahrenheit is Marlene Pardo. Her website is www. Do you have your pencils and pencils ready? Let's try this again. Pencils and paper ready. Miami Ghost Chronicles. Marlene Pardo is my special guest, and Marlene's website is www. Miami Ghost chronicles.com and of course she's with Miami Ghost Chronicles have you ever had one of those days where your mind says do something and your tongue says nah we're going to screw them up so we're going to do something else <laughs> that's exactly what's happening today and uh, I apologize for that uh, Marlene but tell me are there a lot of urban legends in Miami and surrounding area and, and do any of them have anything to do with the influx of the Cuban population well um yeah, here in Miami, of course, uh, there's, uh, because of the, as a matter of fact, it's a crossroads of a lot of cultures. You know, of course, back in the 60s, it was the Cubans, but eventually we have a lot of other Hispanic and Latin and Caribbean, and yeah, we have a lot of people out here. But one of the things is, you know, that here they uh, practice a form, it's not voodoo, it's called Santeria, which right. is, uh, involves animal sacrifice. 
and there's a there's two versions of it there's the white magic part of it which still sacrifices animals and then there's a dark magic part of it which sacrifices animals and in some cases sometimes people will say that they've uh, sacrificed humans and these are the um, ones that you go to let's say if you wanted to put a death curse on somebody and uh, over here I mean I've done cemetery walks here and I can guarantee you I'm gonna find uh, dead chicken or something stuffed oh, in a bag uh, you'll see that also on railroad tracks because that's part of uh, spell work and rituals that involves it uh, also at four ways uh, one time I was um, I was at work and my offices they were very close to a four-way intersection where they even had a crosswalk and I, I, I remember I was out there on a phone I it was a private conversation and I noticed this big bulging backpack right under where, you know, you push the button to cross the street. Right. And I see flies and flies and flies. And I look and I'm seeing something that looks like dark liquid streaming from it. And I was like, and we had every once in a while, we had seen some weird stuff out there, but never like a bulging backpack. So I called the police and I said, hey, the police officer, he came first to talk to me. And you could tell he was. This was like the call he did not want to take care of. I said, look, there's something weird about it. It's full of flies, it's something dripping from it. From here, it looks like blood. And he went up to it and he nudged it. And when he realized it was full of blood, he called some other officer. And believe it or not, the real concern, despite what everybody may think, is like, what if it's not chickens? What if it's <laughs> body parts? I mean, yeah, sure. But you could tell he, when I talked to him, he was like, man, why? This was, I don't want to do this. I don't. I don't want to handle this. Besides, it was probably his call just before shift change. That, but even <laughs> if it wasn't, yeah, you could tell. It's almost one of those things where people that are non-believers still don't want to mess with it. Mm. Sure enough, when the other officer came, they had to. They had to open it just to find out. And sure enough, it was stuffed with uh, chickens, dead chickens, bloody chickens. But there was oh. so much of it that it was actually running. You know, there was like little streams of the blood. And they had yes. left it. And part of that is because uh, part of the ritual is involved leaving it a four-way so that whatever was done will cannot follow. Usually it was done to remove something, a curse, let's say, off somebody, for example. Right. And it's left there. In other words, the whatever it was was put in the kitchen, chickens, they're killed, and, they're, and it's left at the four-way so it cannot go back to the person where it was lifted from. And that's like a condensed version. Why chickens? Why not some other animal? There, I think it depends. It depends on the gravity of what mm. it is. The worse, the bigger the problem, uh, including illness or whatever it is that you're doing, the bigger the animal. Uh, chickens are cheaper and um, this is just an example. Maybe a run of bad luck or, hey, you know what, uh, uh, I, this person's giving me grief at work. Something not really major. Or I think I'm just, hey, I'm having money troubles and I don't know what's going on. One of those deals. So you, cheapest, most inexpensive animal and ritual is chickens. But it can go up from there, depending wow. on the gravity of the situation. Um, yeah. How many paranormal investigations do you and the Miami Ghost Chronicles do a year? Uh, this year, I want to say in the last couple of years, because I've been really busy, it has slowed down. Mm -hmm. But sometimes... I want to average maybe once a month and it's really it doesn't how can I say it doesn't uh, time itself like once a month right. it's really funny you'll go through a spate of you know it just slows down but I do do a lot of consulting on the phone I do have a lot of people that call me and ask me especially if there is some type of aspect of Santeria involved in it or just to get feedback from me on certain things uh, also, because I'm bilingual, I do go in and speak, you know, to clients that it's just easier for them to speak Spanish. So sure. uh, it's really weird. It's it's comes and goes. Like I said, you go through a few months, nothing happens, and then it all comes in at once, and that's how it, it works. In in your expert opinion here, what how much influence does a person's religious beliefs play in their 
their um, their their interaction with the paranormal. A lot, a lot. I think it has to do a lot with with. Uh, I, I'm gonna say well, it depends whether it's a, an actual paranormal event or the belief. I mean, I've gone on cases where when you get there, the truth is there really isn't anything paranormal going on. Sometimes it's stuff that's going on within the family or the household. Yes. And I want to say that it's kind of deflected on the paranormal. Mm -hmm. uh, and other times, they've dabbled in stuff they shouldn't. But absolutely, the religious beliefs, how strong they are. Uh, some of them don't want to believe. I, I've yeah. had clients that if they, they, they shouldn't believe in it. How's that? But then they start experiencing things. And then after they've gone through all the plausible explanations and some of them have even reached out to clergy whatever their religion is and it's still either they haven't gotten any help or it hasn't resolved it so it's like we're the last option and um so, so let, let let me see if i can if i can put a handle on this question are most are most of the people who come to you who claim to have paranormal experiences are they male or female? Wow. Mm. And I'm just asking That's a for good question. A, a, I'm a statistical, uh, for, you know. You know what? I want to say it's a 60-40 split. Okay. 60 women, 40 men. And, mm -hmm. and to be honest with you, men, very seldomly on their own. I want to say it would be 20% that would be on their own. The Do males want... in there are part of a family unit. Do you want to know a secret? Go ahead. Men are chickens. I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm that secret already. <laughs> you know, like, I don't understand it. I, I really don't. Like, let's be honest with society, gang. Like, when it comes to stuff like this, if you're afraid, if you need to go to a paranormal investigator or see someone to help you, just go. There's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, just like, do you remember the old days when we had something in the car that we used to use to help us drive called maps? Yes. You know, I learned very early in my marriage just to listen to my wife. Take the directions that she's giving me because I didn't do that once. And instead of going towards uh, Miami, as a matter of fact, I ended up going out west. So from that point on, it was, yes, dear. So come on, guys. No, there's nothing to be ashamed of, for goodness sake. No. But do, you, do you think it's the, the male ego that gets in the way? It does. It, yeah. yeah. They, um, it's, yeah, it is the male ego. I, I want to say that sometimes it takes them a little bit longer to come around to admitting that it might be a paranormal event. Yeah. Because it's like, how do you deal with something that you might not be able to see? And I, men have a hard time with that. Yeah, and yet these same men go to church. Yeah, yes, they, yes. They, you know, the Bible is is the richest book that has paranormal events than any other book, and it's the the oldest book that that talks about the paranormal. If you want to look at it that way. Right. Exactly. There, there's a lot of stuff that, I, sure. like you say, you can't touch it, see it, feel it, whatever. You know. And in today's society, it's called the Santa Claus simplex. Yes. You know, yes. It, I, I agree with you. It's 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 crazy. And you know what? With the amount of people that talk about the paranormal, whether it's haunting, if they're touched, if they have a feeling that one of their dearly departed is around, or if they have a dream about a dearly departed, mm -hmm. no matter what the case is, it's real. Whether even if it's just real to the person who's experiencing the the effect. It is real. And I think that it should be looked at, it should be investigated, and it should be treated as real because you have somebody, most of the time, I'm sure you've come across cases where there's really nothing there, mm -hmm. that is causing them to have a problem. Sure. And I, it's the obligation of, of us humans to help each other. Welcome back, everyone. Marlene Pardo is our special guest, and she is with Miami Ghost Chronicles. And her website is www.miamighostchronicles.com. And you can also buy the books that Marlene has written over the years at that website. Again, once again, www.miamighostchronicles.com. 
Marlene, as we were talking before we went to the news break, a lot of people are experiencing the the phenomenon, let's call it that for now, yeah. whether it's spirits, whether it's hauntings, whether it's ghosts, or, or every other aspect of the, of the job that you do when it comes to the investigation of the paranormal. How does a person know who to go to see? I, I, know that, I know that you've been doing this a long time, and I have no doubt that you are a professional in what you do. But there are so many others out there, Marlene, who decide to get into this just for the thrill, the rush, the adrenaline rush. Yes. How, do you, how, how does John Q. Public know who to go to for help? Well... Rob, as a matter of fact, I just finished publishing one of my last books. It's called Supernatural Safety, which is a paranormal DIY guide. Right. Well, this is for one of the things I talk, and I've talked about it, you know, other times where it's um, people need to, like you said, some of these groups that get together, most of the time, maybe the first or second year, they dissolve. Yes. So I would urge anybody is that if if you're to that point where you think I need help you need to look for a group that has been established a few years <laughs> and that you speak to somebody first of all and and go by your gut intuition because basically you're opening the door to strangers and i've had prior experiences and cases where they've had groups come in which in reality didn't know what was happening made things worse especially if there was a, a darker aspect to the case. And for lack of a better word, they just peeled out and left this poor family. Uh, oh. Hey, oh, my. and so, yeah, it's really important that they do a little bit of research. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, if they don't have a group that's, let's say, within their area, call the closest one because most of the well-established groups, they usually have can refer you to somebody that will cover the area where you're at. Gotcha. But some of these groups, I know that a number of paranormal investigators protect themselves in some manner when they go in and come out of a of a location. Am I correct? Yes, yes. What happens if these newbies who are just getting into it for the thrill of things because their CB radio doesn't work anymore, they need to do something? Yes. They don't take the precautions that you and other professionals take. Is it possible that they may bring something else into that home that complicates the matter? Yes, and absolutely. I have had, I have had uh, team leaders call me because you know this is the thing. You have people that join groups because they are excited, they want to do it, and then when they go and they do investigations and they don't real, it's not like the. Some, some of the shows where something actually happens yeah. all the time or it's on the weekend what you mean i have to give up my weekend so sometimes they lose members and or they need somebody to go on an investigation so you know I, a lot of them most of them do have a vetting process for new members but they have had instances where they've brought people along that for lack of a better word i'd say something was walking with them already and uh, yes absolutely it and, and, and if they end up in an investigation which has its own dark aspect or malevolence going on, it, mm -hmm. it, 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 and sometimes the team leader thinks, oh, this member picked up an attachment or something from that investigation. And not really, that was with them from before. And a lot of these team leaders, what they have to think of is the liability as far as the safety of my members. And I'm not talking just physical safety, which of course you always think about, sure. but I'm spiritual safety for your members when you bring in somebody new. Uh, and that, yes, I've heard of that, that some people, um, their attraction to work in this is because they have their own spiritual turbulence surrounding them already to begin with. I've also heard that when people go to estate auctions or to garage <laughs> sales, they buy they buy uh, these items, bring them home, and all of a sudden they've got a problem in their house. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I and I I, I, I that you know especially you know they have now these uh, curbside you know where people just put out items on the curb yeah. because it's like hey it's good if somebody needs it, and it could be I tell people it could be the most innocuous looking item. Mm -hmm. And most people are thinking, wow, I could use that, you know, or it's nice. But for all you know, and this is a for instance, 
It could have been Uncle Jim or Grandpa's favorite chair in his lamp, which he's still attached to. Uh, or sometimes it has a darker aspect. Sometimes there's things that are left on the curbside for a reason. Uh, because that family realizes there's something, maybe they picked it up somewhere, a garage sale, a thrift sure. store. They bought, it's, it could be a million things. A flea market, flea markets yeah. are notorious for that. Uh, and they, they're, they're like, hey, sorry, I, I don't care if somebody ends up with this problem, mm -hmm. but I'm getting rid of it. And they leave it on the curbside. So I tell oh. people, you gotta follow your intuition and cleanse it in spiritually, whether by prayer, uh, holy water, whatever, before you bring that into your home because i've had cases where the problem the source of it is a cursed or an object that's got an attachment to it you, you briefly mentioned the tv shows that are out there now mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's just like when i was in the police force you know that the shows on tv uh, let's use miami vice or csi miami they show all this action that happens in 44 minutes you know yeah and, and people says why people would say wow you know what did you do on surveillance well we sat there uh, exactly and, <laughs> and waited and waited you know like it, it doesn't happen like it does on tv so my question to you as a professional again is are these television shows an asset or a hindrance to professional investigators like yourself oh it's a hindrance and an asset it's made it more mainstream in other right. words, it's okay. There's not that much stigma because before, remember, because I tell people I was doing this when you had to develop film. There was no digital. That's like, there was kind of a stigma attached mm -hmm. to sometimes coming out and saying, I think my house is haunted. Yeah. It was like, you still got a funny look and it's made yeah. it more mainstream, more acceptable. And I, now the flip side of it is that people immediately think that their house is haunted because they got a weird noise coming on. And... When you tell them, no, it's not, you've, you've got a raccoon in your attic, mm -hmm. you sure? It's like, yeah. <laughs> or or you might have, uh, you need to check your vents. Uh, right. You give them a non-paranormal source for it, they're kind of disappointed. And I want to say the more, and I'm going to use this word lightly, but the more dangerous aspect, Rob, is the following. I've gone on investigations. I, I am one of the paranormal investigators that I do not believe that humans, live humans, should coexist with deceased human beings. Oh, I agree that with you. are bound to the earth. I say, yeah. you know what? Your loved ones, they go on into the presence of God, the divine, whatever you want to call it. Maybe one day they, they kind of look in on you. Ah, you're good. Okay, see ya. But when yeah. you're talking a soul that's bound to the earth, and you see a lot of these shows where they say, oh, well, it's not malevolent. Nothing's happened. It's okay. And I'm like, big mistake. And I've gone on investigations where, yeah, it has turned out there is a supernatural agent there. And basically, the, the individual, the family is all happy. And what they want to do is confirm it. And can you give me a name? And it's like, yeah, we could do that. But, you know, really, you, 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 we need to cross this soul over. It's a human soul. Let's say we're going to go with a human thing. And mm -hmm. they're like, no. And I'm like, I'm telling you. Or even though the maybe the um, things that have been happening are kind of innocent, like, not, you know, haunting light. Mm -hmm. I tell them sooner or later, it might take years. This is going to go south on you. I guarantee it. Do you find that there's not enough respect shown towards the deceased or the yes. dearly departed these days that yes. because of the, the notoriety of being a paranormal investigator or a ghost hunter, we're actually, we're actually seeing more disrespect towards the dead. Yes, absolutely, because people seem to forget, and I'm not talking here any non-human entities, okay? There's two, there's two different, I'm talking here, but the, the bulk of it, you're talking a human soul. You're talking a person, a human that's lost, that somewhere uh, they didn't transition, they lost their way for a variety of reasons. It could, it could be many, many things, but it's yeah. a human soul. Why would you want to keep a human soul bound to a place out of the presence of God and the divine. I, I, I don't get it. It's, it's basically you end up with a very angry, frustrated, confused human being that doesn't have a body. And they maybe, I mean, you do have some ghosts that are aware that they're dead and they're mm -hmm. bound for other reasons. Then you have others that are confused. But yes, absolutely. It's like 
I think that people forget that you're in reality still talking about a human being, the soul of a human being. I love the way you think, young lady. I agree with Thanks. you 100%. Thanks for that young lady thing. <laughs> Listen, you and I have to take our final break. Marlene Nation uh, is Marlene Pardo. She is the lady responsible and in charge of Miami Ghost Chronicles. Her website is miamighostchronicles.com. First of all, Marlene, I want to thank you ever so much for coming on the show. Please don't be a stranger. Come back again and visit us. Absolutely. My pleasure. It's been my pleasure, Rob. Now, Marlene, uh, one of the books that you were telling us about briefly in a previous segment was one that you just released in December. It's available on your website and on Amazon.com, and it's entitled Supernatural Safety. Tell me about that, because I think that's a marvelous idea. Well, this is for people that sometimes think, you know, something's happening. And uh, at the beginning, I described several sources for non-paranormal events. And in other words, I say, before you jump to the conclusion mm -hmm. that it's paranormal, try these things. Call an electrician, have this checked out. In other words, despite what people think, your best uh, outcome is that it's not paranormal. And then we go, I described the different types of supernatural uh, events that could be taking place with the sources. And I mean, there are moments and uh, situations where I say you need to have somebody come in, clergy, a group, a, a well-established group. Uh, but otherwise, these are the things that you can do. And one of the reasons I wrote the book, Rob, is that people be especially that they, they, they give up their power. They think that they're, they're, they're full of fear. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you need to claim your space. You're a living human being. This is your, where you live. Right. And you have more power than you think uh, to either help an entity, a spirit crossover. Uh, I mean, I describe various things that people can do. But in other words, I think it's more important that people realize that they're not helpless. And also to identify certain scenarios where you need to step back and get somebody experienced. And usually these are uh, something involving either non-human entities or something with a darker aspect. Uh, but at the, even at the same time, and this is one of the things I, 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 that I describe, a lot of people, when you see these shows, let's say they have either a group or maybe even clergy come in and something happens and it's over. And that's not really the way it works. This family or this individual has to keep working at it to keep this area clear. This, I want to say, this bleeds over into your life and in your psyche. So even if you get that group or a cleansing or prayer or banishment, whatever, you still need to do something to keep yourself and your space uh clear uh, and you know because I do understand also human behavior I tell people you know you need to go out there besides what you do you need to be happy go to the park um, see happy things uh, one of the best antidotes to any type of supernatural or paranormal situation is laughter I know people will think well who wants to laugh you need to laugh because this uh, in a lot of cases, especially if it's darker, what it's feeding off is the fear that we generate. That's right. So you're changing the polarity by yes. laughing. It causes a positive effect instead yes. of allowing the entity to suck you dry of your negativity. Yes. I, something I've noticed over the years, and, and this, because I've been doing this so long, it gives me a unique outlook into the trends that are going on in all aspects of the paranormal, whether it be Bigfoot, UFOs, Loch Ness Monster, ghosts or hauntings, is that the trend today with most ghost teams and researchers is there has to be a demonic particle into them, whatever oh, they're yeah. doing. Oh my God, the D word. <laughs> the D word, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. In your opinion, is that happening? Because it's scary, it's shock value. Shock value. And I'm going to give you a frank. You remember okay. back in 1973 when The Exorcist came out? Oh, <laughs> people, yeah. Yeah. people were pulling their hair out and, 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 and the churches got full because we were kind of innocent. You know, right before yeah. that, I think the hardest thing was uh, Rosemary's Baby. Oh, okay? my God. But we were like, kind of like, everybody was like, oh. Yeah. And now, because we've been inundated 
mm-hmm. with so many. Like I said, there's no more movies just about a haunting. There's always got to be some demonic aspect or possession yeah. to it. That people are, it, it's shock value. It's scarier. So it's just a ghost. Oh, no, no, no. We need a ghost that's going to try to possess you or the devil. Or, and it's like, it's. I think it's entertainment overdone. And, and I stated it. True possession is very, very rare. There's different levels. There's obsession. There's influence. There's oppression. There's obsession. There's a lot of things. Uh, I, In my hypnotherapy, I've done spiritual attachments. I've dealt with spiritual attachments. And I have encountered, not, not very common, but one of my clients that had a non-human entity attached. Uh, and it's... It's... An, it's, it's it's a very sobering experience. And if people, I think, realize the true horror that lies behind it, they would not be so trying to pursue it. You know what happens if you don't pay the exorcist, eh? <laughs> oh, my God. Let's hear it. <laughs> you get repossessed. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Sorry, that's I, good, though. I, I, that's I, good. I could not help that one. Um, what has been the most frightening or the most haunted location that uh, you have ever investigated and what did you find uh believe it or not i want to say that i mean i've i've been on a lot of cases mm-hmm. but i want to say that 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 instance that i gave you where uh i had somebody in my office and it just so happens that i always used to have another hypnotist there with me mm-hmm. and that one time that she couldn't come in and this was a client that I had already worked with before for smoking. So we had kind of, you know, we got along well and he came and he, and he gave me, he explained to me what was going on with him. And uh, when, I mean, it's a process. I'm, I'm doing like a very condensed version. Finally, when I was speaking to whatever was in there and this thing is hissing at me. And I, hmm. and I knew this young man. I had dealt with him. I had hypnotized him before. And... And, and, and I've also had other instances where I have seen some, but somebody or something inside a person that is not human. And you know that now there's that thing with the black-eyed kids or the black-eyed people? Oh, yeah. It's, it's not exactly that, that mm-hmm. physicality. It's there's something in the person's eyes that it's the look, the stare. And I don't mean to sound dramatic. And I think anybody that's truly experienced this will understand what I'm talking about. Could that be because they're uh, using the the term here, lost souls? Their life force is just totally gone. I have dealt with attachments where we're talking a deceased human being that's attached, that's ah. attached in the aura. It's different. Okay, this I'm talking non-human. And by the way, besides non-human, there's demonic, there's other types of non-human entities, which is very rare. That's why when you ask me what's the scariest, when there is no, there is, the, the, you know how we always think of dealing with other human beings? There's yeah. no pity. There's no moral compass. There is no bargaining. There's something so, there that's not another human being, even though in the cases where I dealt with it, it <laughs> was inside a human being. Oh, my gosh. And let me tell you, I think if some people really had that experience, they would they wouldn't they would think twice about, because I, I, I hate to say it, that some people pursue this sometimes. They want to have that shock and awe moment. Yes. And besides that, um, there's something that some people don't realize that are cemeteries. You know, a lot of ghost groups and kids, sometimes they run out to the cemeteries. There's something mm-hmm. called cemetery sentinels. Okay. Now, cemetery sentinels are non-human, but they're not demonic per se. Cemetery sentinels sometimes could be invoked, but most of the time you will find them at older graveyards because you need X amount of graves or burials there. Usually they're attracted by the mourning. You know, when people go to the cemetery, it's mourning, anger, sadness. Mm -hmm. They feed off of this. They usually don't mess with the living unless you desecrate or you mess around with it. I have had encounters with that. And I, in the book, I stated, if you ever come across this, I say, do not, let me underline that, do not engage it, try to photograph it, just like walk away. Usually you see it as a very tall shadow figures. I have seen it sometimes smaller perched in the, in the branches of a tree. 
they'll observe you and you just ignore them just pretend because i'm telling you i have dealt with people who have had an attachment and to get rid of it is not like an exorcism once they become attached to a person usually because they've desecrated or mm-hmm. done something in the graveyard it's trying to convince them to break the connection and go back it's not like a it, it it's a very weird thing and a lot of people are not aware that you could go to a, most cemeteries unless they're really really small most cemeteries will have more than one cemetery sentinel there a graveyard <laughs> sentinel Marlena, the time has come when you and I must say so long for tonight, but I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great pleasure. Continued success, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet back here in the Axon. Take care. You take care. So, guys, what did you think? Interesting interview. I know you've heard some version of what I said a lot of times. Uh, When I've interviewed different people, uh... And again, sometimes this happens where many years of experience, just they're compressed into 45 minutes of a radio show or anything else. And, and sometimes when you've been doing this for a really long time and people ask you this, you draw a blank because there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of cases uh, that are impactful. Others not. And... Um, I want to say that it's one of those things where, uh, again, I mean, I, I'm serious. And, and, you know, when I wrote that book, Supernatural Safety, uh, I think that a lot of people, they could solve their problems because either one of two things either they have been have an attachment that they've been walking around sometimes it's even a loved one uh a lot of times people how can i say this sometimes grief or events things can i don't want to say they be they, they're like a ghost but they almost especially the person's been experiencing it a long time and carrying it with them uh and never letting it go it almost takes on a life of its own and in some cases i've seen where if this is not the source of the event it's it it, it makes it worse it's like fuel to the fire but anyway again really truly uh horrific hauntings like possessions are rare they are rare despite what you see in the shows that there's attachments yes you can get rid of them yes uh that there's times where you say no but even then my advice is that before during and after even if you have somebody come and help you a priest clergy a group uh whatever the case might be there's something that you need to do in your life uh change whether it's prayer i mean i give a lot of examples in the book as to situations because ultimately this is what i say you know when you see these shows you know you see uh, the, the the group roll up do their thing pick up their equipment or whatever the case i roll away and there's that family or that person having to still live with it and one of the things that sometimes they do sometimes they don't that some of these families you know again uh they might have had been having really horrifying experiences and some something happens it was driven out or whatever and if you don't think that this family is still afraid that it's going to come back of course of course they are or that you have memories attached depending maybe how long it's been going on of course and let's face it some people either can't or don't want to move away financially they might not be able to or maybe they don't want to maybe this is their family home there's a lot of things that people can do and I tell people after some paint move furniture around make it new or different and incorporate and say I have to do something in which I give a lot of examples again in the book of what you could do 
so that I don't open the pathway. And I know a lot of times they don't discuss this in a lot of uh, the shows. But for some reason, and, and, and I've said it before, for some reason there's people that are more vulnerable to the supernatural than others. Many for three reasons. One, they might have latent psychic slash medium as a medium. Because let me explain, you can be a psychic and not be a medium. Mediums usually are the ones that can more readily see and even channel a spirit. Okay. And uh, some people are aware of it. Some people run away from it. So sometimes that person will always have a following because a lot of these uh, deceased human beings, these spirits, for some reason, they just want to say something. It's like, this this is who I am. This happened to it. I don't know. It's really weird. This one acknowledgement. Or they want somebody to say it's okay. Uh, it, it's 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 that's a whole nother show. Okay, that uh, trauma, trauma in childhood. For some reason, people that have trauma in child not everybody, not everybody. For some reason, that opens like a vulnerability, like a wound that even even if the person has gone to therapy and worked out truly, not saying ah, I'm okay with it, mm, really truly done the work. And accepted it and worked around it. Acceptance in the part of who they were or their experience and the situation that brought it into being and how it was resolved or not, who was responsible, who was, and who facilitated. But for some reason, they always have this vulnerability to the paranormal. And, and I'm going to. Because let's face it, most human beings that are trapped, again, we're not talking non-human, we're not talking demonic, we're talking here deceased human beings. Most deceased human beings that fail to transition, there's usually some low-level emotion attached to them, to their existence. Sorrow, fear, anger, sometimes confusion. But usually behind that confusion, there was something other negative emotion. And sometimes they will gravitate to like, like a like attract like. Okay, if you have somebody that's had traumatic, even many, many years, but if they have PTSD, if they relive it, because they've never been able, they, they keep that memory fresh, that emotion, that, that anguish, sadness, whatever comes about that helplessness, uh, victimization, whatever. It almost acts like a magnifying glass, like a beep, 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 you know, like a, for attracting spirits. Like I said, because the majority of trapped souls have had some, some type of aspect to them. You could say, you, you you might have a human soul who's just angry. He was an angry person when he was alive and he's still angry. And then you've got this human being who's really sad but expresses by being really angry all the time. And they're like, hey. And this person might be walking around saying, man, what, what? You know, they have supernatural experience, they have paranormal experiences, maybe they see things, sometimes horrific, sometimes the, they, they, you know, sometimes if they're, if they're pulling in uh, let's say uh, angry deceased human beings, they they themselves might be thinking, man, because this is the thing, you know, usually we have our aura and if you get one of these low level human entities around you, they're not going to attach to you, but sometimes you feel it, especially if, let's say if you're angry for good reason, yeah, it's, it's a human condition. And then all of a sudden you go from zero to 60 and nothing. And if it's, you might be having something around you that is putting the pedal down, making you feel more angry, that you might even say, man, yeah, I know this is, I'm angry, but I'm ready to tear somebody's head off. And then you hear a bang in the bathroom or something upstairs. 
yes that type of that's what i'm saying there's some people that there's they're, they're vulnerable they pull in for different reasons psychic abilities uh like attract like unresolved trauma uh and some people the third group is the people that go looking for it <laughs> the people that go looking for it and then and i've talked about this before they put out the invite and then it's it's you can't rescind the invite and some and, and i want to say of all of those the ones that have a good possibility of crossing paths with something dark and here i'm going to go again whether it's non-human there's a lot of human souls out there folks who are very very dark they're human it's a human entity it's human but they're very dark maybe they were plagued with an attachment of a non-human entity but even so let's let's take that out of the out of the equation there's a lot of evil and bad people out there and when they pass away they're still there so if they're earthbound especially and uh, these sometimes are the ones that take up your invitation when you go looking for it whether it's a Ouija board and again before somebody has people there's different types of of spirit communication and there's a lot of people that know what they're doing and by the way uh they, they they know how to protect themselves they know how to open and close sessions they uh they have uh what they call the spidey sense when something really dark is there and how to dissipate it and a lot of these people don't dabble in it constantly they put it away because for some reason these entities know right away when they've got a novice on their hands and it's like fresh meat they go for it quick quick so that's why there's some people that they act as a conduit for negative hauntings and then it follows them around and it's almost like uh you know when you have the the, the guy with a t-shirt next to you with the arrow pointing at you or the knee that's that's who you become that's who you become and then i mean i've had investigations where i tell everybody uh, i usually this is after the pre-interview and I'm there and let's say it's a family member and I usually interview everybody out of out of ears hearing of everybody else I take them outside or someplace where there is they don't have to fear they're going to be overheard because you get a lot of different versions then when you're by yourself with the one person and then they a lot of times will then start talking about prior supernatural experiences and then you realize yeah you might have something here but there's something about you either it came with you or there's something about you that you are like a whirlwind you have stirred everything up and maybe before maybe something's been here before and it was very low level or non-existent or dormant but there's something about you a spiritual turbulence that walks with you that has amped it up and like I said, every every case is different. But again, I agree with Rob that a lot of times in the notoriety of these shows, we forget that in many cases we're speaking about human souls. Uh, Non-human and demonic entities do exist. They're very rare. And I think that it's a problem because people don't realize that if you cross paths with something like this and it enters into your life, I want to go out here and I want to say it again, your life will never be the same again. Never. Never. You might dispel it. The bonds between you and that thing will be broken, especially, you know, what depending on what type of connection there was. But you will never be the same again because you will understand something because i'm telling you we you could go to the movies now and you could see the exorcist or you could see any of these other movies that have been made about people being possessed and and you're scared and oh my god and even if they say it's based on a true story whatever 
But at the end of the day, as human beings, we kind of go, oh, that's just made up. Oh. Anyway, you know, and at the end, somebody comes in and saves the day, whatever. Exercises the demon or the thing and uh, binds it. What? Doesn't work that way. Does not work that way. If people really truly understood it, it's much more horrific than what you see in maybe 90 minutes of a movie. And your life will never be the same. And the people that it's happened to, their reality is never the same. They could talk about it and tell people about it. And people will look, oh my God, that's so horrible. <gasps> but nobody, nobody ever truly understands. And, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Gets, gets it until they've had that experience, which believe me, you pray you never do. Because your life will never be the same again your belief system is different plus you're always it's just you, your reality is different your reality because we always comfort ourselves let's say even if even if let's say you have somebody that you you know perf that, that you believe in other words that you don't think this person's lying and they tell you a story that happened this has happened to them. This is this they went through that. And you got really scared and but you know, as the days pass by you go, Oh, you know, but that wouldn't happen. You know how that it always happens to the other person. So we kinda of comfort ourselves and we move away from the truth or the possibility that stuff like that happens, which doesn't happen. And we kinda of like it fades away the fear, like after a few days it kinda of like fades away. Not for the person that's had that experience. Because you do understand that something exists which has none of the, how can I say, feelings or mental processes, I guess is the best thing, of humans. That there is no, that just wants your destruction. That there is just hatred. That there is no empathy, no pity, no bargaining, no. And by the way, the ultimate aim of um, possession, despite what you see with the people and all this uh, hissing, whatever, all the crap that that's not really the ultimate aim. The ultimate aim is to corrupt and possess that person so that they will commit evil acts and then cause suffering to other human beings around it. It's like a ripple effect. It's almost like this evil cannot commit it without the human being to do it for them. Okay, think about it. The ultimate aim, even in possessed, and, and there's people that sometimes are possessed, and contrary to what people think as far as uh, what they call perfect possessions, it's a voluntary possession, sometimes this person will run around and look kind of normal, and depending on their intelligence or their position in life, they could get away with doing horrible things for years years and maybe even die in old age and nobody's all the wiser and they might have done horrible things the aim being of that this evil that has them in its grip is like you're my vehicle to sow anguish anger sadness in other human beings whatever the case might be whether it's killing uh a torture it, it could there's a lot of ways for us human beings we could we could be made to suffer And yeah, it, it, it's, it's much more terrible and horrible than what people see. That's why I'm saying when Rob asked me about that, I said, yeah, of course, entertainment, entertainment is like, hey, we want people glued to it and watch it. And like, what's more scary than that? But it's truly terrible and horrible and terrorizing and it shouldn't be glamorized. It should not be glamorized in the least in the least believe me because for people that have had that experience 
they can never undo it. The knowing, the experience, they can never undo it. You know, like in the Exorcist, I don't know, I, maybe some people, the Exorcist supposedly at the end of the movie, the little girl, she can't remember anything. Okay, all right, sure. No, there is no convenient amnesia that's going to step in and take away those memories or that knowing. <laughs> Let me get my off my soapbox. <laughs> so anyway, guys, it's 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 the paranormal is very fascinating, okay. And I think there's a lot of things that are still evolving because our plane and spirituality is very enmeshed. But there should always be very strong boundaries between the living and the deceased and other things of what uh, Father Malachi Martin used to call the middle plateau. There's things there that, whoa. And with good reason, okay? That we should have empathy and pity for deceased human beings that are confused? Absolutely. That we should have, not want anything to do with something that's malevolent? Yes. I mean, believe me, there, there, there's no, there's no middle ground there. There's no exceptions to that rule. Uh, so there's a, a, a part of fearlessness that you should have, caution, respect. And, and I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. There are times where human beings, your best bet in certain moments is to grab your stuff and leave, back out, retreat, retreat, because either it's dark, you're not prepared for it, you're outgunned, and uh, it's, it, 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 in other words, it's, it becomes more than what people think that they're going to get into when they become a paranormal investigator, or when they go on paranormal investigation, like, yeah, okay, and you know, whatever, it's like, mm, this is not what you want. This is not what you want. And what are you going to do? Have you ever thought as a paranormal investigator? Let's say you go out uh, on investigation and you do the first visit and you maybe you have equipment and stuff, but you really haven't had a chance to uh, go through your audio video stuff that you captured. Maybe you got some stuff that you heard or saw visually with your naked eye, but you really haven't had a chance. And you're thinking, well, okay. And you're kind of thinking, well, there might be something there. You, you, you have, you're getting like a bad feeling, but and maybe you had one of your members do confrontation stupidly. And then the next day or the next night or hours, two hours after you leave, you get a frantic call from that client that everything has become horrible, that things are going crazy, that they don't know what they're, that they're ready to like go and sleep at the motel because they can't stay in their house. And that happens, yet usually happens, number one, because there's somebody there that doesn't have enough experience to either they conf confrontation, they didn't realize it was a dark haunting, uh, <clears throat> Or uh, they just didn't recognize it for what it was. I mean, there's a lot of things to that stuff that people sometimes don't think about when they go and they see the paranormal shows that it's a 45 minutes. Uh, and of course, this is, let's face it, folks. These are not paranormal investigators. They're entertainers. Yeah, they're going to call themselves paranormal investigators. Sure, of course. Whatever. I mean, otherwise, what's the premise for the show? You know, but they roll, they've got produ producers and people, directors and gophers that handle everything behind the scenes and blah, 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 blah. They roll in. They do their thing. And yeah, sometimes they capture stuff. Other times they don't. Whatever. And then they roll out. Off to the next show. Those are not really paranormal investigators. It's not. Sometimes it's very boring, and other times it's like uh, there's more to it than than what you see on the shows. So again, guys, I hope you like this interview with Rob. Again, I'm gonna get off my soapbox again uh, because what Rob 
I guess about uh, I got on it because of what Rob said, where people uh, decide that they're going to do paranormal investigations and they just don't really th understand what it is that going they're going to get involved in. And it wouldn't be, by the way, the first time I've heard of brand new investigators getting targeted. They just so happen to, you know, the beginner's luck. First case they go on is really dark and whatever is there goes, hey, that person has no idea what's going on. <laughs> and they walk away with an attachment because they were just going there to see, oh my God, let me see what happens. <laughs> All right. And then they call up their team leader a couple of days later going, hey, you know what? I woke up and there was something standing at the foot of my bed. A dark shadow. What do you mean? Yeah. Or I have this feeling now that something's watching me. Or, hey, uh, I heard something tapping at the window of my bedroom. Or, hey, I've heard, all, believe it or not, all those versions I've heard of, about. So, we'll do the show. But anyway, guys, don't forget, go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. There you have links to the videos, uh, the MP3s for the podcast version. I have links to podcast platforms. Again, all my books, you can buy them there. You can buy them at Amazon. Uh, I'm now doing a, because this was the only way I could find to do my True Story Believers, which is Supernatural Story Time. I'm going to be releasing separate shows for that where I'm retelling some of the stories because, like I said, even before I started doing the show, I used to receive emails all the time about people telling me, hey, I've had this experience. And I started going back through some of them and I'm just going to retell them. They're scary stories. And again, uh, these stories are not, you know, sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. People sometimes move to a place and they have these experiences and they really don't know the origin and they, sometimes it never gets resolved. All they can say is, man, we live there and this all this happened to us and we got to the point that we all had to move. So it's not like an investigation. It's experiences that people have had. And sometimes people do understand what it is. You know, some some people even know who the ghost is. But anyway, I, I think you guys are going to like it because that was the only way I could incorporate all these stories that I've had from before and other ones that have been sent to me. And again, guys, if you've got a story, you can write it to me. Go to my uh, Marlene at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. On the website, there's a Submit Your Story tab. And uh, again, it doesn't have to be ghostly. It could be anything else. It could be something that's been retold to you because I've had a lot of people tell me, oh, I, I, I this friend of mine told me this story, uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's not their own first act. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be your first act experience. Uh, and uh, absolutely. And if, and if you give me permission, I'll give you credit for it. I'll, you know, I'll say this was sent by. If you want to remain anonymous, I'm good with that too. But Either way, guys, thank you so much. You are all wonderful. Take care.